Behind the men and women who serve our country are fearless leaders who live in the shadows. They stay up late nights praying, worrying, and waiting for phone calls, filling out mountains of paperwork, and keeping research folders on experimental services. But more importantly, they patiently love our heroes back together again. Welcome to your community. No matter what stage you're at, we're here to provide expert resources, faithful support, and real life insight into how you can move from managing to living your best life. Your hosts, Libby Bates and Erin McCauley, found one another in opposite sides of the country in different stages, but with a common struggle. Together with outside guests and experts, we'll open the resources and support you need. Let's get to the episode. Hey listeners, welcome back. Today we're joined by Army veteran and fitness nutrition advocate, Will Henderson. Welcome to Behind the Service. Hello. Thanks for coming, dude. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you guys so much. So we're going to go over a few statistics, and these are um, amazing, by the way. Okay. Okay. Obesity statistics, which is BMI over 30. In the U.S., it's like 37%. So it's actually for 2020, 41%, 42%. Okay. So we've gotten fatter over the years. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Active duty military, 12.9%. A U.S. veterans, 32%. And this is probably an old statistic. And then it's a little less, though, as, oh, it's 48% overweight, which was BMI 25 to 29.9. Has that statistic changed? The statistics haven't changed that much for that. It's just overall, the country as a whole crested 40% obesity in 2020. And obviously most of that is because of the pandemic. You can't go out, you can't do things. People that are used to going to the gym and things like that, you can't do it. And so you're just stuck at home and what are you going to do when you're home? Yeah. You're going to eat. (laughs) So a personal statistic here, I've lost 60 pounds, six zero. Hell yeah. Um, And I was, yeah, I'm diabetic and I'm type two diabetic. My dad's a funeral director. And he told me one day, he said, you are going to die by the time that you're 55 years old if you do not do something about this. And it hurt my feelings, but he was right. And he was like, Aaron, I I don't want to bury you. That's not how this is supposed to work. And my husband was the same way because I was a food addict. I would hide um, donuts. Like, yeah. I couldn't understand why they didn't make a long john with half maple and half chocolate. I needed both. So I bought both and I ate both because I wanted You them. can't just eat half of a donut. You're right. not a psychopath. You got to eat the and whole thing. And I wanted thing. chocolate and maple. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I would hide them. It was a full-on fledged addiction. And so this is one of my favorite. I'm glad that we're going to talk about this because this has affected me personally. And I feel better at 40 than I ever did at 30. But it's a lot of hard work. When people talk about it, it's just an easy little jump over the bridge. It's not. It going, my husband would tell me all the time, Aaron, you didn't put this weight on in even a year. It's not going to come off in a year. Exactly. And Absolutely. that was hard for me. Yeah. Yes. And th- that's, I say this in my podcast and I've said, I said this when I was talking to my buddy Roman, who you guys had on uh, a while ago. We have this really unhealthy relationship in the United States with getting healthy. What everybody sees is magazine covers and 
I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. So if I'm not, stop me. But you see all this stuff on magazine covers and you see all this bullshit on Instagram and eat 500 calories a day and lose 15 inches in three minutes. Like just shit that's not realistic in any sense of the imagination. And people get it in their heads that if they're not losing 15 pounds a week, that they're doing something wrong. And then so they crash diet and you start losing 10 pounds a week, 15 pounds a week, which is really unsafe. You reach your goal weight, you start eating the way you were before, and then you gain more weight back. So we have an unhealthy relationship with getting healthy in the United States. And I'm only one guy. I'm not a fitness expert. I'm just a fitness enthusiast. I try to make that perfectly clear. I'm working to become a personal trainer, but I love working out and I love helping people get healthy. And all I can say is, like you said, you didn't put on all of this weight overnight. You didn't go to bed at 150 and wake up at 300. It may have felt that way, but that's not what happened. And you have to realize that it's going to take time. Um, I'm down 20 pounds right now and I plan to lose more and you just, you have to work on it slowly. One pound a week, one and a half to two pounds is what's considered safe. If you're losing more than that, you may not be doing it safely. And when it's done uh, incorrectly, it's not sustainable. I remember the Wii when I got on the Wii because I got a Wii because I was going to try to do it. And it tells you when you're obese when the little me hangs its head down low. Oh, oh no, you're <laughs> obese. <laughs> Nintendo shamed you. That's horrible. Yeah, <laughs> I made it to overweight and I told my husband, I was like, look, I'm only overweight. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a whole bunch of issues with the, the BMI thing too. I don't think you should base your life off of the BMI because according to BMI, Dwayne Johnson's overweight and there's not a single person on this planet that actually believes that man's overweight. And so take the BMI scale with a grain of salt, but you, everybody knows when they're unhealthy. You just know it deep down in your soul and the places that you don't like to talk about that you're unhealthy. And sometimes you have to have a reckoning with that part of yourself and realize that it's time to change. Yeah. So what's your opinions on the keto diet? So again, I'm not a registered dietitian. So anything for nutrition advice, I will always recommend speak to a certified dietitian first. This is Will's opinion of the keto diet. I have not met anybody personally that has been able to sustain the keto diet. When you're on the keto diet, you're, I think it's 14 grams of carbs a day or something like that, depending on your body weight. That's unsustainable. I was into the paleo thing for a while and I saw some good results off of it, but I was cranky all the time and I couldn't figure out why. Here's what the science says. And we believe science. So this is what it says. It says that your brain feeds itself off of carbohydrates. So when you don't feed yourself carbohydrates, your brain doesn't function the way that it's supposed to. And when your brain doesn't function the way it's supposed to, you have mood swings, you start getting super cranky, people don't want to deal with you anymore, and it's, not, it's just not sustainable. You don't feel good. Now, there are a lot of people that have figured out the keto diet if you believe everything that you see online and they've been able to maintain it. And if that's how you've lost weight, if it works for you, do it. Will's personal opinion, I think you will see much better results if you eat good, nutritious, whole foods 
in moderation. If you do I that, you're ahead. right. I did paleo, but I'm diabetic, type two right. diabetic. And so I did paleo and it really worked, but I found as sustainability, you may call it a healthy diet, but I call it 80% paleo, depending on the day, 80 to right, 90% right. of food is paleo. And I will say that I've added in plain Greek yogurt because right. get over it, people. There's not that much <laughs> sugar or carbs like in that. So I do a modified with dairy, but I... And I eat, Libby makes fun of me every time. Well, not makes fun of me. She gives me a hard time. Not even, that's even a negative connotation. She will mention, she's, you're always eating. And I do, I'm always eating. But yeah. it's, I'll have nine pistachios or, but I've learned as a food addict, you can, it's more like skimming the top, but you don't make it a problem by not making it a problem. So I don't right. know how to but It's all in the choices that you make as far as the food that you're eating. It's like whatever. I still have to have self-control. I didn't have, my problem was I didn't have a bottom. And so I would just eat until I was almost sick. And I have to stop now. I still could, I can kill a pizza, like a whole pizza myself. Oh yeah. People were shocked and I can inhale food. We're like, we haven't even started our questions. I don't yeah, know. Me... This is, this what? is fun to do it. I love it. <laughs> Okay, so let's get let's start with the first question. Yes, Will, do you want to talk about your military uh, journey with our listeners? Sure. I joined the army during the surge in two thousand seven, and I decided to become a an interrogator. Went through basic and AIT and all that kind of fun stuff. My first duty station was in Fort Sam Houston, Texas, and um, out of there I deployed twice: once to Iraq and once to Afghanistan. I went to Iraq in 2009 to 2010, and then turned around and went to Afghanistan in 2011 to 2012, running interrogations, obviously interrogation operations in both countries. Came back I was a staff sergeant when I came back, so I went from private to staff sergeant in the same unit. Came back, went to Fort Huachuca, Arizona was an instructor for two and a half years. So I taught young soldiers coming in how to do my job. And I absolutely love that. Then I went to Joint Base Lewis-McChord in Washington and was stationed there from 2017, 18. No, ooh, no, that's not right. 2000. 15 to 2018. So I was there a little over three years and decided that I was done with active duty. And so I left. My wife and I moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota with some friends. I was in a civilian job for all of two months before I realized that me and civilians didn't get along very well. <laughs> and I was in the reserves and I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to get on some active duty orders with the reserves is which what I'm doing now, which is a really cool little kept secret of the reserves. But yeah, that's what I've been doing. That's quite a journey. Those are a lot of different places that you don't hear a lot. Yeah. So what was that? I know you said you had two different deployments, one to Iraq, one to Afghanistan. What was the hardest part transitioning back from deployment to home life? And was it different for you for each deployment? Yeah. So there was obviously some things that were similar, right? So the hardest thing for me, and I'm never going to speak for everybody. So I'm when I'm just going to speak for me. So the, That's hardest, okay. That's the okay. hardest thing for me uh, coming back was you're operating at such a high tempo for a year, nine months to a year, 18 months. I believe one of you, I was listening to your guys' very first 
podcast today. And I do believe one of you said that your husband was deployed 15 months. Yeah. yeah. F- 15 months. If you're gone, 15 months, you're gone. Nine months, you're gone. A year. You're just, you're operating at such a high op tempo the entire time. You're constantly on. You come home and it just stops. You go literally from 100 miles an hour to nothing. And your brain and your body just doesn't know what to do with itself. That's really hard to deal with. I always tell people when they ask me, deployment is quote unquote easy, right? You're there to do a thing. You know what that thing is and you just go and you do that thing. Coming home is not easy. There's bills to pay. There's things to fix. There's politics to deal with. You don't really necessarily deal with that downrange. So going from 100 to nothing and then the simplicity of deployment to the complications of coming back to the United States. Those are all hard. I really appreciate what you're saying there because it is hard for our service members coming back. You know, I think it's in what support systems you do have that you can lean on to during transitioning into civilian life and truly utilizing those support systems when it is difficult with the transition. When you're in the military, when you're in the army, whatever, aggressiveness is praised right? You are, if you're aggressive, you're, yeah, you're praised. You're just, you're, you're getting it done. Yeah. You're getting it done. You have to be aggressive. If you want anything to go the way that you want it to, you have to be first. And that's not the way, at least for me, it worked when I transitioned uh, to a civilian job. I had to really try to rein myself back in and that was really hard for me trying to rein myself back in because I've got these guys working for me and they're not doing what they're supposed to. And dudes, the fuck are you doing? You need to listen to me because I told you, you have a job to do and you need to go do this. And just obviously you can't do that. (laughs) You can't do that in corporate America. That's not the way the world works no matter how much Will wants it to. It just doesn't work that way. And yeah, I think that was the hardest part. My poor wife, she asked to run interference on me all of the time. You guys are married or married to military people. Our, our sense of humor is different. Our, the way we communicate is different. The things that we say are very different. So she's got to run interference on me a lot with just the stupid shit that I say all of the time. Like, no, he, that's not what he meant. Or yeah, just, you don't have to ask for the water at the restaurant so aggressively. I'm like, I didn't ask aggressively. I just asked where the damn water was. And (laughs) she seems like my husband's been known to get up and refill his own drink at the waitress station. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. It's just, and I've gotten better, right? One of the views that that I found, because I did the civilian thing and it, it didn't work out, but like I said, I was fortunate enough to be able to be in the reserves and be able to get on orders with them. And the reserves are military light, almost. This is a nine to five job that I do. I like it a lot. And it's allowing me to kind of transition back slowly into being a civilian, which is awesome. And yeah, that's just a really cool little secret that the military has out there that they don't tell a lot of people about. And I'm all about it. I think it's great. I'm a big, I'm a big white guy and I'm covered in a lot of tattoos. People don't talk to me a lot. People are scared of me. But then when people get to know me, they're like, there's no reason for people to be scared of you. I'm like, I know. I'm not a scary guy. They just I exude 
I don't want to be fucked with. You had to do that in the military and it's come down, which is nice. But that unfortunately just takes a lot of time when you go from the military where that's expected and they give you six months, three months out process and they tell you to transition into being a civilian, even though you still have to go to the field one week before you actually leave the army. Doesn't work that way. I have to tell you, first off, we want to talk to your wife sometime because she sounds awesome. We'd love to hear her little tipsy because this place is for caregivers and you guys sound cool. I love that you give her that space because it's very important and it's a big trust for, and I don't know if you identify as like alpha male or that's how I describe my husband a lot as alpha male, like bullet in China cabinet. And it is a lot of trust for you to hand over the reins to another person so we would love to talk to her yeah that would be fun i'm very fortunate that somebody that cool decided to marry a dumbass like me and she's awesome she doesn't some of the people that some of her friends and some of our friends they deal with me on a regular basis and they're just like kara that's my wife they're like kara's a saint to deal with your shit i think we all kind of deal with each other's shit right but it's all in how we work together to handle all of that shit. <laughs> so when did you begin your fitness and nutrition journey then? I started working out heavily when we were in Afghanistan, reading a bunch of stuff from bodybuilding.com. And I was following programs from guys like Dr. Jim Stepani and uh, Chris Gethin. So I was following their kind of regular, what I like to call gym bro fitness routines was doing that for a long time. Then we moved to Minnesota and I was still doing that, like going to LA fitness and stuff like that. And then I'd been trying to dabble in CrossFit for a little while, but I hadn't found a gym that I could go to. So luckily in the beginning of 2019, I was able to start going and I was going to CrossFit four or five times a week until the pandemic hit. And I am very fortunate with everything that I'm about to say. A buddy of mine was getting ready to move and he had a barbell and a bunch of bumper plates that he was selling. And I bought them right before like Rogue and all of those weightlifting companies sold out of all of their stuff. So I was very fortunate to have the equipment to be able to work out at home in my garage. And that's really where it started or continued, I guess I should say. Started working out in my garage with the pandemic. I don't necessarily feel too comfortable going back to a gym yet, but I have everything that I need. Again, very fortunate that I've been able to afford a squat rack and things like that to be able to continue that journey. Not everybody's had that opportunity or has the funding to be able to do that. But, and we can talk about this later too, you don't need all of that stuff to do at home workouts anymore especially during this whole past year with all of the stuff that's coming out, but that's where it all started. And then about six months ago, it's October, I think. So almost four months ago, I wasn't losing weight like I wanted to. I work out super hard, bust my butt all of the time. And I just wasn't losing weight the way I wanted to. And I knew, again, like I said in the beginning, I knew deep down inside in those deep, dark places that we don't like to talk about that I was eating like garbage. So I hired a, uh, dietitian from an organization called Working Against Gravity and uh, got on a diet plan of nutrition, not diet. We got to change that word. It's not a diet, it's nutrition. I got on a nutrition plan to fuel myself and she helped me lay out all of my macros to eat every day and I dropped 20 pounds and it was great. My workouts have been better and having discovered that's when I really was like, you know what, even when I become a personal trainer, unless I go become a registered dietitian, I'm not going to tell anybody 
I will make recommendations all day long if you want, but I will never tell you exactly what to eat. That is, it's, it's good and it's interesting because so many people will. So we've talked earlier, you gave us a little kind of, we, when we got off talking about the different diets, you gave us yep. some advice, but what are the first steps that you would suggest for caregivers and for service members to begin their health journey? Okay. There's a lot of different ways to go about this. And depending on who you ask, you'll get a million different answers. So this is what I think. And we've been talking about this on my podcast a lot lately, an episode we just recorded yesterday. We're talking about it again. If you could only pick two things that you have to improve for your health, if you could only do two things, the two things I would tell you to do is get your nutrition nailed down and your sleep. Nutrition we've already talked about. I think you should, if you're trying to lose weight, consider working with a registered dietitian because I think you'll see the most results that way. Now, there are people like you who have lost a bunch of weight doing stuff like paleo. That's great. Do your thing. Well, it wasn't full time. It wasn't full time. I do have to say that. I I could not one of those people that could just do it all like 365. I had to take days... I'm sorry, I got to eat a funnel cake if I'm at the football yeah, game. I at least got to have four or five bites. Like, otherwise, <laughs> why go? You know what yeah. I mean? Life it's is not worth living. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't, if you go to a food truck place and you don't eat some of the pretzel with cheese, like, yeah. why are you even here? And those, sorry, no offense to no, no, no. everyone that doesn't eat the, the crap food. Sorry. Yeah, and no, you're absolutely right. And you need those type of quote unquote refeed days. Those are actually really good for your body. There's a bunch of science to back that up, but- so I would recommend that first. Get your nutrition figured out first. And then the second thing is sleep. Now here's the problem. In the military, you sleep when you're dead, right? All of your husbands, everybody I know, myself included, I cannot tell you how many days I stayed up in a row. And 24-hour staff duty, 24-hour CQ, sleeping four hours in the field, if you even get that. Like you sleep when you're dead. So we build this we're in the military or spouses are having to stay up late, having to take care of the kids and then also work and do school because they're trying to better themselves. They don't get much sleep either. So you're building uh, this habit of sleeping two, three, four or five hours a night and your body can't function that way. Now, luckily the United States is starting to switch its perspective on sleep because it used to be even just a couple of years ago, guys on Musk were praised for sleeping four hours a night we're starting to realize that you can't do that. If you don't sleep, your body doesn't repair itself and your brain doesn't work fully to its capacity. You have to sleep to your full capacity. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hours a night. I know plenty of people that legitimately need 10 hours of sleep a night to be able to function. Now, there are so many caveats to that, obviously. So many PTSD and anxiety, it makes it super hard to sleep. You may have insomnia, I understand that. And I'm not here to say, just go to sleep, right? That's not what I mean. What I'm saying is if you can, I highly recommend it. Uh, Because if you start eating better, you eat better, you sleep better, you feel better, you start working out, you work out, you eat better, you sleep better, and it's a cycle. And it just keeps going and going. And all of a sudden, you're healthy. You just, oh, how did I get here? It all started because I started eating broccoli. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, quite literally. You could technically start out with eating broccoli and then start working out from there and getting sleep. 
I know as a PTA, I'm always working with people and exercise. And, you know, the, sometimes they'll be like, oh, I don't feel like exercising, but they really benefit from it afterwards. And then they're thankful that they did do it afterwards. And I know for myself, it's so beneficial when I'm getting outside, I'm moving around and I'm doing stuff because it is beneficial to my mental health. So I know that mental health is such a large part of our world. And so how has working out and eating healthier helped you mentally? And why do you think it's beneficial for those with PTSD and anxiety? Okay, so that's an excellent question. And I absolutely love this question. And I could talk about it all day. So first, I'll start off with my experience. And then I have some studies for you guys that I think people don't want to just listen to a dude without a lot of certifications talk about why they should do a certain thing. I'm just some guy. You don't know who the hell I am. I may be a fan of this kind of stuff, but you don't have to trust me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some scientific studies that the science supports what I'm saying. And then maybe you'll want to listen and that's fine. So for me, I know that when I'm feeling depressed or I have the things going on in my head that when I work out, I feel better. Now the science has shown that working out, especially running releases dopamine in your brain. Dopamine is a feel good drug helps you feel good. You work out, you get the dopamine release and you feel better and it's better for your health. There are studies and I can send you guys the links to these if you want and you can put them in your show notes so people can see them. But there have been many studies done recently because we're realizing the effects of PTSD and anxiety on our veterans that a regular exercise program combined with treatment for PTSD, like going to the therapist and stuff, can drastically improve your quality of life. Even more so, they did a study, one of these studies here, they did a study where they had two groups of people. One group just did therapy and the second one did therapy and had a workout program for 12 weeks. The guys that went and did the workout program for 12 weeks and had therapy had dramatically better improvement of their PTSD symptoms than the guys that just went to therapy. They've even done studies of specifically with women and PTSD and have found that just brisk walking for 30 minutes, three to five times a week coupled with actually going to therapy, dramatically increases your response to treatment and improves or helps diminish the uh, side effects or the, the symptoms of PTSD. It makes you feel better. And you actually start to feel better. Your body gets healthier. The human body is an amazing machine. And we haven't even fully tapped everything that it's capable of yet. But we are starting to figure out that the human body will heal itself from almost anything. It wants to. I said this on my buddy Roman's podcast. I say it on mine all the time. Your body wants to perform, right? And it want, the only way it can perform is if it heals itself. So if you give it the necessary equipment to do that, you give it food, you give it rest, and then you work on building muscle and your aerobic capacity, you'll be surprised what your body can heal itself from. So if you could leave resources with our community, what would those be? Okay. So if you will allow me, I will do some shameless plugs first, and then then I'll, I'll go into some more serious ones. But in all seriousness, I am here for anybody that wants to talk about improving their fitness. I'm here to help. So you can follow me uh, on Instagram. You can follow the co-host of my podcast. Her name is Bree. 
She's on Instagram at I am underscore Bree. She's a personal trainer. She's got her own business and she's great. If you feel more comfortable working with a female, there you go. Now, other resources. If you're looking for a place to start, bodybuilding.com has a great, a large number of beginning workout programs and nutrition telling you how the basics 101 on how to get your nutrition. If you're looking to get into something like CrossFit, which speaks very highly to a lot of people in the military community, military members and spouses, because of we just all seem to have this competitive drive and CrossFit speaks to that. CrossFit.com. Go to CrossFit.com, put in where you live, and they will show you all the CrossFit boxes near you. I highly recommend going in and visiting a couple and speaking to the coaches and finding one that you're comfortable with. And Mr. Google is the man. And you just put in there beginning workout programs. And there are so many. I think the last time I checked, it was like 18 million results in less than a second. There are so many ways to get started. I do highly recommend if you're looking for a place to start, you know, going to bodybuilding.com. If you have the money, consider getting yourself a personal trainer or an online coach to help you just get started. Because what you don't want is you don't want to go in and have no idea what you're doing and hurt yourself because then you'll never want to go back. And I don't want that. So yeah, that's what I recommend. That's very good. I didn't know that about bodybuilding.com. That's interesting. I always, uh, we're from Oklahoma. So we're, we have a lot of people that do CrossFit, but we live out in the country part of Oklahoma. So we're always like, we should just put some of our old time out there and charge people and they, we can get them to do all kinds of crazy stuff and pay us ridiculous amounts of money. You, you throw your tires out there and some ropes and just yeah. put a sign on the front like $200 to use. A bunch of shirtless dudes will show up and just start throwing money at you and then flip them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and we should have a CrossFit gym because we've got the perfect place for it. And like we've even got a pond too. They'll figure out something to do over there. Oh, yeah. you know, they'll probably be out there treading water and who knows what. So you are sitting on a, you're sitting on a money pit and you didn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> I do farm work. If you do that, you don't have to do as much. We do walk, but and my husband does push-ups. So what is some advice that you can give to just our caregivers, service members, and veteran community? It doesn't have to be physically fitness related. Can I do an aside real quick because of something you just said? And then Absolutely. I'll answer that question. Okay. Did you ever watch, oh my God, what's that show called? It's not American. Oh, Titan Games, The Rock Show, The Titan Games? No. So this last season, one of the guys that made it to the finals of The Rock, The Titan Games was just a dude that worked on a farm and he smoked everybody. He was a badass and he didn't do like traditional workout stuff. He just worked on a farm. So there you go. It really does work because I know, and my brother, he rides uh, horses sometimes 24 hours a day because he'll work on in the stockyards. And when you think about riding a horse for 24 hours and then to all the fencing that you have to do and all that, and plus they get, they eat a lot of calories too. They eat a lot of fried food, Yep. you know, and, and they go pretty easily with not getting too overweight if they stay busy. Not if right. you're a lazy farmer, it won't work. <laughs> Okay, so I'll answer your question now. Okay, so advice. I have a couple ways that I want to go with this just real quick, and they're just real fast. So the first is on the fitness side. I have found that if 
you want to do it together, you actually have a better chance of it succeeding, right? So you have your veteran and your spouse, and maybe the spouse and maybe the veteran wants to get started in, in exercise or eating healthy. You have a much larger chance of success if you do it together. So if you do it together, you have a much larger chance of success because you're reinforcing each other's good habits, right? Dealing with PTSD and anxiety on both sides, because it's been proven that PTSD and anxiety don't just affect veterans, they affect spouses too. You have to deal with that too. You have PTSD and anxiety too. There are things that spouses have to deal with. One trying, one of your team, one member of that team trying to tackle a thing alone is hard, especially if the other one is bringing in bad habits still. So try to go at it together. Now you may come to a point where maybe the veteran or the spouse is, I don't want to work out anymore, but we'll continue eating healthy, but I don't want to work out anymore. Then you deal with that when you come to it, but don't try to sabotage one another, help each other out, your team. That's what you're here for. You, you made it through the military this entire time, or you came in after the military and you're dealing with everything else. Eating healthy and working out, it's not that hard. Now for the other part, for veterans and caregivers, it took me a long time to figure out that I actually needed help. And I remember the day that I finally figured it out because I was sitting in my truck and I was like, if I don't go ask for help right now, something very bad is going to happen. And it was like, I'd been living in this fog for years. And just for some reason at that moment, the clouds parted and I had a, a moment of clarity that I needed to go in and talk to somebody. And I'm happy that I did. It's okay to go get help. I know it may not feel that way in the military when you first get out because we're all supposed to be badasses, but you got to take care of yourself and you got to be here for your family. And you're not going to be able to do that if you don't get help. Encourage one another, work together, be a team. But sometimes you got to go talk to somebody. And I do think you'll be surprised at how much uh, better you can get doing that. If you pile on the exercise and eating healthy with all of the, the mental aspect, I think you'll find that you can recover. I'm really glad that you said that because that is so true. And it's a universal thing really with everyone. I think that as spouses, you know, we need to be encouraging our, our spouse to eat better and exercise and, you know, work on our mental health because together as a team, you can be able to do that so much better and you'll be able to thrive um, in life instead of just ignoring things that maybe do need to be addressed. What is that old saying? Teamwork makes the dream work. It's so true though. So I love that you said that. So can you go ahead and tell our listeners again where they can find you at on social media? Absolutely. Uh, so shamelessly, you guys again can follow me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram ha handle is relentlesswill86. That's my personal one. The podcast is called the Relentless Fitness Podcast. And you can find it on every platform, Spotify, Apple, all of them. I'm there. Me and my co-host Bree, she's a former professional bodybuilder. So she brings a bunch of that really cool stuff. And I'm a very amateur CrossFitter and it's a lot of fun. So you can find us there. The handle on Instagram for the podcast is just the Relentless Fitness Pod. You can follow Bree at I am underscore Bree. Yeah, that's where you can find us. We're hoping to 
try to bump our numbers up on some listens. We're to episode 25 now has been released and we're going pretty strong. I'm super excited. So all your listeners out there, please consider giving us a, a listen. I think you guys will enjoy it. We try to make fitness really easy to understand. So if anybody wants to just get started, we give you some places to do that. Okay, listeners. So I'm going to challenge you this week to get up off your booties and do something. You don't heal on the couch, right? So regardless of where your fitness level is, you can go and start with just a brisk walk and work up to running, do some CrossFit, some weightlifting, anything that's really going to get you up and moving. That's so important for not only your physical health, your weight, but also your mental health. So get out there and start moving this week because you will feel better. Okay, so this week our scripture comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, which Libby, I always love whenever you pick anything from Ecclesiastes because it's one of my favorite books. And the reason is because it was written by King Solomon, so it was King David's son. And in the first couple um, chapters, he really lets us have his opinion about some things that have gone on or things that he's seen. And they're the kind of verses that you don't see on, nobody puts those on any any big picture because some of them are a little scary. It's like, you will work your whole life and nothing will happen. You're like, oh my gosh. So we're going to read here. Um, this actually is towards the end of the book and he does a great, it's just a, such a fantastic book. So I just encourage all of our listeners to read it. And King Solomon, he was the king about, about a thousand years before Christ, to put it a little bit into perspective. So I'm going to read out of the message here. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 9 through 10. You who are young, make the most of your youth. Relish your youthful vigor. Follow the impulses of your heart. If something looks good to you, pursue it. But know also that not just everything goes. You have to answer to God for every little last bit. Live fit loose and fancy free. You won't be young forever. Youth lasts about as long as smoke, which that is really true. When you look back, you feel like it hasn't been 20 years plus since you've graduated high school or you've been a kid. I see so many people my age still comparing themselves to the bodies that they had in high school. And I'm like, you were 15, still growing, like you've had three children or sometimes military life takes its toll on you. I know it was really hard for me as a spouse to be isolated and food was my friend. It was there for me every time I needed it, food and a good Marlboro. So, which are a really bad combination whenever you have diabetes and asthma. So I love what, you know, this talks about in here and it's, it ties together what you've talked about. My husband says a lot, the days are long, but the years are short. So to remember every moment and I want to point out too that when it says here that you have to answer to God for every last bit, this is true. This is definitely true. And I want you to look at it as not so much, a lot of times we'll look at it as like disciplinary action. And I think what my dad did to me was a very, it's not a disciplinary action whenever he came to me and said, I'm concerned about your body. I'm concerned about what you're doing to yourself. And I will say if it wasn't balanced by the compassion and the empathy and the love of my mother who who understood and was able to, because that was a little rough for me, but she came along and encouraged me and saw every little step that I took and clapped 
for every little step along the way, as did my husband. And you can really make a difference in somebody's life. Be that Jesus for people. Be that light for people. And that's a Christ that everybody can see value in and love. So sorry, guys, I went a little long there. Sometimes I get a little preachy, Will, but it's a good way to end the show, in my opinion. That was good. Thank you for coming on. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Behind the Service Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, will you leave us a review? It helps more people like you find this podcast. And remember, subscribe. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.